All right, I'm so thrilled, and uh, it's really a privilege to introduce to you who our guest speaker is today. His name is Emmanuel Mustafa. He is a missionary uh, from Ghana. A couple of months ago, when Pastor Otis and Dr. Steve Mary and I went to Ghana on a mission trip, this is the man uh, who we went and served alongside of and we, we partnered with, and he is a guy over the past year who I've uh, really, it's an honor for me to be able to call him a friend. He is a leader who I respect tremendously. He's not just a great leader. He is a developer of leaders. He's developed uh, leadership in uh, over 2,000 churches that he's planted uh, there in Ghana and West Africa. And uh, I'm grateful that you get to hear uh, from him today. Uh, his name is Emmanuel Mustafa. You can call him Moose. Now, I need to let you know something. Uh, when I uh, went to Ghana and he would take me to different villages and I would preach, every time I went to a village, they paid me in a chicken with a chicken. Uh, Moose, I feel like I'm a bad host today. I do not have a chicken to give you today. But this is what I'm going to ask. Will all of you here today join me in welcoming Reverend Emmanuel Mustafa to the platform this morning? Wow. Wow. What a joy to be here with you. Pastor, don't worry. We gave you chicken. Take me to Chifle. <laughs> and that balances, is that right? You are such a wonderful people. Welcoming me into your mess. Thank you, Pastor. I know this pulpit is very special and dear to your heart. Not everybody can walk into, but it's such a privilege to trust and share it with me. Thank you, and thank you, all church. You know, I'm making a lot of friends here, but let me give you a warning. Sometimes people come to me and I don't remember them because the white people all look alike, you know. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> you know, it's such a much a warming place, but you know, this town is so cold. <laughs> I come from a weather of 110 and all of a sudden you wake up and it's 29 and I go like, can I go out? <laughs> well, this is love. And you know, this service is so special. I love you because when they tell me 30 minutes, I ask them whether it's Ghana time or African time because <laughs> the door was still open when we started. So this is very good. We can come on. Thank you for letting me come. Like Pastor said, my name is Emmanuel Kwabine Mustafa. Um, <clears throat> 9 December 1991, at the age of 31, being a truck driver for 22 years, the Lord touched my life and transformed me and given me the grace that he has given to everybody and told me to share that grace with everyone. And that is why I can be here with you today. Thank you for letting me come. But in everything, let's look at the scripture. I love it. Now, this scripture has a special place in my heart and my ministry. Because when Jesus came, you see, why did he come? He came to this world, lived his life, and saved, and died, and resurrected. And he was with these guys, talking to them, but yet they did not get it. And I, I, you see, when he died, they, become, they became devastated. And some of them even didn't know this. They got discouraged and they wanted to quit. But thank God for the resurrection. Amen. 
grave could not hold him. He came out of the grave victoriously and coming back to these guys. And this book, passage telling us that before his death, you see the unique thing about Jesus that his death was not forced on him. I think, think with me. He knew that it was coming and he embraced it because you and I will get a place in the kingdom. So it's a death that he was looking forward to because he knew he has power over the grave. He will go there and come out. So he was ready to go and told them that, I will come back the third day. Now go on this mountain and when I get up, I will come. So this passage takes us right back. The scenario when he, they, were, they were discouraged, devastated, don't know what they need to do. But the women came and announced and then right on the mounts. Let's take it from there. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mount, to where Jesus has told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. I mean, this is a human nature. Is that right? You know, Christ deserves our worship. We are here this morning, lift up our hands, bow down. Somewhere. And I love this service because I saw people started dancing. I was about to jump for others to follow. That is worship. And folks think this. Worship is the main reason we exist. Because God created us to worship him. But you know what? Worship is paramount. But the missions and evangelism became so much urgent and important that God wants all nations to worship him. And as we worship him, others have not. And therefore missions draw them to come and worship so worship is key. Evangelism and mission is so important. The goal of our worship is to be transformed and go out and serve. You know, one time somebody was walking into a church and he ran to the guy. I said, oh, is the service over? He said, no, the worship is over, but the service is about to start. So here, some doubted. But the good news is that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then Jesus came to them and said, Oh my, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Oh, brief a little bit. Let's check in there. This is scripture. Hear it. All authority has been given to who? Him, Christ. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Now pause a minute with this scripture. Let's go to this one too. You see, in the same context, the resurrected Jesus Christ has come. The people were surrounding around him, exciting. That, oh yes, death could not hold you. Now, what is next? And if I were there, I would have asked him the same question. Because there was an anticipation. There was something that they are looking for. And anybody who comes into worship, come into contact with God, or anyone has something that he's looking forward to. And this guy has an expectation. Now listen to it carefully. So then they gathered around him 
and ask you, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That was a legitimate and genuine question because when they were following him, they were looking forward to that. So now that you are dead and resurrected, is this all about? Come on, let's know when that happens. But listen to what the Bible says here. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the days that the Father has set his own authority. Ah, let's breathe a little bit. You see, they have an anticipation. They were looking for something. But here Jesus said, we will do it, but that is not the business. You need to get yourself involved. The Father is going to do it on his own time and his own authority. But, I'm not an English speaker, but you saw when they say bet, something is following. Is that right? So, <laughs> so here he said, no, this must happen. But, take a break. Don't worry about that. There is something that I want you to get involved proud to the kingdom coming. I just want you to think about this with me. Then he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After said this, he was taken up before their very own eyes, and the cloud hid him from their side. Take a break. As a typical African, born in Africa, grow in Africa, schooled in Africa, doing missions in Africa, there is something unique about us. When your grandparents or anybody you cherish is passing, the last word he says, we cherish it and dear it. And with this passage this morning for reflection, I said, let's make his last command our first concern. Responding to the mandate given us. After he has said this, he was taken and he was hidden from their eyes. I mean, that was the last thing he told them to do. And he told them not to get themselves involved in any other things than being witnesses of him. Check it with me. So, this morning, as we celebrate two weeks of mission, and I have the privilege to come and share this with you, I say, let's make this last command our first concern. Now, think about this. William Temple, one time, Archbishop of Canterbury, said this. He gave a definition to worship that we talk about. He said, Worship is the submission of all of your nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience by the holiness, nourishment of the mind by his truth, purifying of imagination by his beauty, and opening of the heart to his love, and submission of will to his purpose. Let's break this definition down. I love it. Now, listen. All this is gathered up in adoration, which is the greatest of human expression of worship, 
which we are capable. Now, let's hear this. Number one, and it's true that when we come to worship, we come to quicken our conscience by the holiness of God. We come to deal ourselves. We encounter him. We see him and allow his revelation to reflect on us. Then we see ourselves in the picture with who we are that we can confess our sins and call for his grace to reign in our life. I mean, we can continue to live just like we live and think everything is okay. But when he comes, he punches us. Our conscience is being quickened by what? The holiness. And that is why in the book of Isaiah, chapter number six, when Isaiah went to pray and he saw the transcendent sea of God with the thrice holiness, he shouted, woe is me, I'm a sinful man. The conscience is quickened. You can come and lift up your hands alone and deal with your emotions and go, no, we cannot do that. This is what God has called us into. And when the conscience is quickened, we don't leave it void and empty. We feed it with our minds, with what? The truth of God. And that's why the Colossians said, if there is anything pure, anything good, feed this with your mind. Because what you feed your mind with is what gives you vision and ability to live for a better life. So we quicken the conscience and then we feed the mind with the truth of God, not just garbage. There are too much garbage around the world today that if we are not careful, we are going contrary to what God has called us to be. I pray that as we have come together today, singing and enjoying, what a beautiful singing this morning. The, the, the singing group did very well. But you know what? We quicken their conscience and we feed their mind with truth. And that's why we open scripture. And I love it when Jesus came to them. What did he say? He said he opened their minds that they could understand scripture. Wow, beautiful. In this definition, we are still working in William Temple's definition. What did he say? When, when we quicken our conscience, when we feed our mind, then we purge our imagination with the beauty of God. Imagination is so powerful. Wherever you go, you reach there before you arrive. Because you have the picture of your destination. And that is why we said, if you don't see it before you see it, you will never see it. Is that not true? You see it before you see it, then you know what you are looking for. So here, God in his own wisdom makes us understand in Genesis to Revelation that is something that is happening there. He gave us the picture of what the Garden of Eden was, his intention and what he intended for man. Sin interrupts in chapter number three. So from the chapter number three all the way to Revelation chapter 20, God is working to redeem his lost creation. So history is his story. 
I know people will tell you, your history teacher will tell you history is cyclical. No, for me, I disagree. History has a destination because the master whose story is his story is directing history to Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Powerful imagination at the end of history. That is where we are going. And that's why he gave us that imagination to purge us. The beautiful city that has no light, but the light itself is Jesus Christ and God, who are the temple right in that city. I'm yearning for that city. Imagination is so powerful. Is that right? So we purge that imagination by the beauty of God. And let me give you a bonus all the service didn't get. Because you came in slowly and I can tell I can add two minutes to my 30 minutes. <laughs> Is that no flexibility? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I was even telling Otis that I need to take off my coat because you've come so much that you make this place warm like Africa. <laughs> but you... Imagination is so powerful, you purge it. I remember the first time I was coming to America, I have never been, but I've been associated with the missionaries so much that they've told me all the stories about America and I was so excited, ready to go to America. So when I got my visa, the plane was supposed to leave 11 midnight. Do you know what time I got to the airport? 2 p.m. Why? I'm envisaging. I'm looking at something, the stories. My imagination was so much soaked into that. So when we paint our imagination with the beauty of God and what God has, that at the end of history, do you know what is going to happen? He said, all tribes, all nations will gather at the throne and worship and autumn reach if we are part of the team that brought the nation to the throne. How will we feel if the Guineans get there and we brought them? The West Africans get there and we brought them at the throne. That is, should be our imagination. Not that if we, if we purge our imagination by feeding our mind with the truth and quicken our conscience, we open our hearts to the love of God. The love that we have received, we grasp it, we make it ours, and then we say, and you know, Paul said it in Romans chapter 5, verse number 5, he said, he has poured his love through the power of the Holy Spirit into our hearts. That is what we have. Folks, sometimes as an outsider, you know, when you live in the church for so much long time, we said um, familiarity breeds contempt. You must so much. But coming from outside, seeing what God has placed in the church, I'm so excited to be part of it and shout and make noise that together we devote ourselves to the love of God. I've been laughed so much. Man, I was glad when they said, let's go to Rochester. Even though it's cold, the people are nice. But not just devoting our, uh, open our hearts. The news is that then 
We devote ourselves to the world of God. Now, this is a key thing. Now, hear this. Joshua said this. He said, to know the will of God is the greatest knowledge. And to do the will of God is the greatest achievement. So then let me add to it, say that. To find the will of God is the greatest discovery. Is that right? If you know it, you have a great knowledge. If you do it, it's the greatest achievement. But if you found it, you have discovered something great. And that's why this morning, as we, as we go through scripture, as we search ourselves, as we look at this, let me give a warning here. This is, this is the most scripture I'm afraid of. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Ooh. Then he moved on to say, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name. And do many mighty works in your name. I always, when I read the scripture, the, Jesus did not tell me you didn't do it. They did it all right. And that is why I always I tell people and I warn them that be careful doing God's work without doing God's will. There are a lot of folks out there. There are a lot of churches who are doing God's work, but they are not doing God's will because we have not delved deep to define what we need to do. So I pray that the Lord together will help us this morning as we go through Scripture to see. And this is what my analysis, a little bit that I found that when God, God has always and always and still always be interested in redeeming the nations. Now remember when he called Abraham, he said, I'll bless you. I'll give you a great name. Is that right? And everyone who curse you, I will curse. And through you, all the people of the earth will be blessed. So what is God is saying that I've chosen you, I'm empowering you, I'm granting you all the resources available for your life. But remember, you are God's channel. So Autumn Ridge, God has placed you here. You have knowledge, you have everything God has. But it's not just for you yourself only, but becoming God's channel for us to reach the nations. Like Abraham. When he picked Israel, Isaiah chapter number 49, verse number 6, talks about, I'm making you, you, is it too smart to choose you? But I'm making you a light into all the nations. God has always desired for the nations. Christ came, he said, I came to save the world. It's not just people of Israel alone, but through Israel, God will make himself known and redeem we the Gentiles and be part of it. Now he told the apostles, go into all nations and make disciples. So what do we say? He got to the church. And in Ephesians chapter number 3, verse number 10 said, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known. That's what we exist for. 
We love to worship. We enjoy it ourselves. But there is a responsibility in living the will of God. So, as a missionary, I tell people that God is a missionary. Because right from the Garden of Aden, he came in searching for man. Is that right? And still, if we, you and I can climb the Jacob ladder and go to heaven, God is still asking that question. Man, where are you? And that's why he came into the book of Isaiah and said, I'm looking for somebody to join me in searching man. And who will go for us? Think about it before I finish this sermon. That question, I think if you allow me and give me some money, I'll put a billboard every corner of this city and I say, who will go for us? It's still ringing in our hearts. So God is a missionary. Jesus Christ is a missionary Christ. And the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. Now the day the Holy Spirit arrived, what happened? The church was born by the proclamation. And, and take a break and look at the book of us. I, I told you that most churches didn't get this analysis. But let me give you as a bonus. Because the door was still open and you were coming in. So time is not tight. I tell people that when I meet Americans, they have the watch and I have the time. You see, take with me. I, I like those things. At the Tower of Babel, what happened? People was confused, and the language happened, and they dispersed. Is that not true? Yeah. They go on their way. But when the grace, you see, sin dispersed the language. But when the grace, the day of Pentecost happened, what happened? Languages came together. That shows the sin and grace. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. And that day, languages had the message in their own language. You see how God is interested in the nations? And maybe next time we talk about the, the nation's issue itself. But the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. And the church is a missionary movement. And that's what Apostle Paul said, through the church, God is bringing all people. And this morning I could see black, white, blue, green together here, serving him. The only place that we can unite ourselves and worship together to do his work. The church is a missionary movement. So God the Father, send the God the Son to come into the world to die. And when he resurrected, he went back. The God, the Father, plus the God, the Son, sent the God, the Holy Spirit to come and give birth to the church. So God, the Father, God, the Spirit, and God, the Son, together is sending the church into the world. That is what we are. So folks, literature, tells me that the introduction and the conclusion give the subject matter. In the book you read, I mean, some of us who read a lot of books in the year, sometimes when you get tired, read the introduction and read the conclusion, and you know what the author wrote about. Is that not true? 
That helps me to run through books a lot. But here, <laughs> may the Lord bless us. Is that right? And here you look at the, the, the Gospels. There is something that is in it. This command that he gave in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, that command was completely declared. Now when you go to Mark, he shows us at the end when we believe and trust him and obey that command, the result we get. Then when you go to Luke, it tells us the, mass, the message that is containing in the command. And John, that's why I love it. I mean, can you imagine that Jesus coming to these people and look at their faces and tell them, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. In fact, if I was there, I would tell Jesus, don't say that. Because the way the Father sent you, he sent you to come to die. He sent you to come to surrender. He sent you to come to serve. He sent you to come to save. And he's saying that as the Father has sent him, so sent we are. That is the approach that we need to take. And the book of Acts tells us the scope. From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I pray that God will give us understanding of himself. As Autumn Ridge Church, God has positioned us here. Not for position's sake. Not for an enjoyment's sake. But he has a will for us to fulfill. And collectively, he has put in us together. He has brought us to join you. The missionaries who are here this week are representing you all around the world to work with you. And you all can join on the field in Guinea, in Ghana, in Leone, in Honduras, other parts of the world. Philippines, God is looking and trusting that you here will join him and do that. So, I've talked too much. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Maybe chiefly, they open after Sunday church. Is that right? They, they don't open Sunday after church. We need to advise them because if they are Christians after church, where do we go? Nobody to sit now with their commercial. You know one thing with church, and that's why you push the pastors to preach quickly, because <laughs> if you are not careful, the Baptist Presbyterians will get there before us. So we ask Rick to cut the sermon so that we can get there before. I love it. You know, I come here to gain weight and go back to lose it. So I'm making sure that every year <laughs> I will show up and get some good food and eat. What a beautiful place, beautiful people. Your welcoming is amazing. If we can get somebody to adjust the weather a little bit, <laughs> we can come about it. But folks, my question is, we've given the subject of what God wants us to do, but how can we do it? There are questions in your mind, but I want us to take the Matthew chapter 28 and address that question that number one, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. That means he has given us an unlimited power to work within. So we have no excuse. 
His power is above every power. In the book of Colossians, he said, on the cross, he made the spectacle of the devil and his work, and he has become toothless. And therefore, in his name, the name above every name, a name that when it's called, every knee bow. Jesus' name is powerful for us to be able to venture into missions. So we can go. We can make it. So now I'm going to turn you into African church. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? When I ask, can we go? Then you shout, yes, we have unlimited power. Can we go? Yes. Come on, can we go? Yes. Atom Ridge, can we go? Yes. Why? Because Jesus said, Our authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And in that name, it's not a G power. It's not a G8 power. It's not an American power. You know, no matter how America is powerful, you are limited. If you are not limited, you have gone and asked Putin to get out of his throne. You are a powerful nation, but yet your powers are limited. But Christ's power goes beyond every country. Even the places that claim the doors are closed, the churches are growing. If we can recognize that we have unlimited power and every obstacle can be broken, Jesus announced that and he knew the people he was sending them. Can you imagine this? Fishermen, unrecognized people, those who are nobody in those days, and he's giving them a global vision. That was the day globalism was announced because at the mount, Jesus said, make it this ministry into the whole world. So any organization that is pursuing globalization or globalism was learning from Jesus Christ because it was from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost part of the world. But what do we need? Power. And the power has been granted. Can we go? Yes. I love you. Good students. Maybe I'll give you B plus. (laughs) Give that well. And those of you who go to, who went to school in the UK and British, you know, British are very stingy with their marks. (laughs) And Ghana was... Uh, grill up under British, so we don't give much like that. So if I give you B plus, you have a good grade. Thank you. <laughs> what do we have? Unlimited what do we have? Unlimited Can we go? Thank you for accepting that, that we can go because we have unlimited power. Not just unlimited power. You see, when Jesus made the declaration that all authority has been given to me, then he said, go, unrestricted permission. The unlimited power gives us what? Unrestricted permission. Can we say that? Can we go? That's all. Praise the Lord. You are growing. I will add maybe C to what you have done. 
But folks, with all what we are saying here, we are coming to the point that missions is possible. Evangelism is possible. Winning the people for Christ is possible. Why? We have unlimited power. Unrestricted permission. <laughs> you guys here live in gated communities. Some of you. But going to a gated community, you need to pass the gate. Now think with me with that. When Jesus said, the gate of hell cannot prevail against the church. What, do you know what he's meaning? That the devil will build gates. The devil will try to stop the church in operating. But every single gate that the devil gives in our way, we have the permission to penetrate that gate because he has won the power. So the whole world he has given us to go. What do we have? Unlimited. Unrestricted permission. May God bless you. Do you. If you get this, you are ready to go. Praise the Lord. No excuse. No excuse. And somebody say, yes, we can. The, the people who say, yes, we can, is the church. We have. We have. We have. Then let me give you the third thing here. I'm getting hungry, so we need to quick soon. <laughs> I love it. Now, the unlimited power, unrestricted permission gives us an unchanging program. Because what did he say? He said, go and make disciples of all nations. So with the authority, with the permission, we have a program to make disciples. So whatever we are doing, whether it be in the hospital in Guinea, whether it be in school in Yendi, whether it be in sharing food in Rochester or wherever in Minnesota, we need to make disciples. Discipleship is the key. Now, I, I take a break. Maybe I'm speaking to some of you. You are doctors and you understand this better. Look at COVID. COVID started in Wahoo. 19, uh, 2019 December and it took it three months to stop the whole world. How did COVID do it? How did COVID do it? From person to person and there is no <laughs> boundaries that it couldn't cross. It was so fast that three months the whole world shut down. So I told myself, yes, Jesus knew it. We have forsaken his strategy. Because when Jesus on the Mount of Olive said that, go into the whole world, he knew that discipleship making will get us into the end of the earth. We have the power. We have the permission. We have the program. What do you think about it? Can we do it? Come on, I want to hear that reading very well. <laughs> Can we do it? Do you believe it? Yes. Oh, come on. Do you believe it? Yes. Do you believe it? May the Lord add grace to it that as we finish today, 
if you have not considered being part to go and fulfilling God's will, you're beginning to work yourself into that. Let me give the last one. What do we have here? Jesus, you see, when he said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, he said, lo, I am with you always. Oh, oh that's excellent, exciting. Every boss send you to go alone. And then you come back and give him report. But here he's saying that I'm doing it with you. My ever abiding presence through the power of the Holy Spirit will be present in your life. I am with you. I am with you. No matter where you are. It can be Guinea, it can be Ghana, it can be Sierra Leone, it can be, it, it can be Liberia, it can be Honduras, Philippines, name it, even Iraq, Afghanistan. He will not forsake you. I am always with you. What a promise. That's what I call it unfailing promise because I've experienced it. Never since I met him 2000. Uh, to, <clears throat> 30 years ago, a single day that I felt his presence has left me, he is always, always, and always with me. I mean, I drive a lot. Sometimes I make about 50 to 60,000 a year, uh, miles on the road a year. And one day I was driving in the night, and the police stopped me and I looked at me, sir. Why are you driving alone in the night? As they say, you don't have eyes. I'm not alone. <laughs> I have never been alone. You will never be alone. If we decide to go, the promise is with us. So folks, what do we have? Unfailing promise. Ever abiding promise. And now check with me. I like going through Bible quickly. You see, when he met Abraham, I'll be with you. <laughs> Is that right? When he met Joshua, I'll be with you. When he met Isaac, I'll be with you. Everybody God has called throughout the history, I am with you. He will never forsake you. All that you need to do is to respond, yes. Because his will is to see the nations coming to him. This morning, as he has asked us to go into the world and teaching everybody what he has commanded us. So it is passing on, you understand? I tell people that um, um, discipleship is an apprenticeship. You pick somebody, train the person. The person go through the training and then graduate and also pick another disciple to train. And then we keep going. He is with us. He is with me. No matter how cold is it, he never deserted me. He's not like me to run away from the cold. Every problem, every situation. I don't know what you are going through in your life today. But let me tell you. He said, my abiding presence is with you to fix the issue. 
if you have not come to him in the saving knowledge, whether you are online or that you are sitting here wherever you are in the world, there is opportunity to respond to him. But if you are too, let's work together to go. Now, this unfailing love gives us something. What? Comfort. Are you not comfortable to know that he is with you? It gives comfort. It gives confidence and courage for us to be able to go. I pray that the good Lord will help us to understand today that we have a responsibility to reach the world on behalf of him. But what do we have? Oh, come on. What do we have? I'm an African. Make me feel like Africa. What do we have? What do we have? What do we have? And the last one. So because of that, we are capable because we are enabled by our faith in him. His grace to us by his spirit of truth because of his love for seeing, for us seeing in Christ his son make us capable to go. But the question is that God is looking at your face. Is that who should I send and who will go? Would you join me and Isaiah and say, here am I, send me. Thank you.